Morning, everyone. So as Andrew said, at some point in the past, uh, in dialogue, the question came up about Sabbath and how that applies to us as, as believers uh, after Christ's resurrection. So we're going to deal with that question today. Um, before we do that, I would just like to remind us that 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may thoroughly be equipped for every good work. So let's keep that in mind as we study this subject. Um, as believers in Christ, uh, we need to keep our minds open to what Scripture has to say. Um, we need to put aside our traditions, uh, our potential rituals. Um, we need to put aside our emotions, um, personal preferences, and, and even sometimes our pride. So, um, like Andrew said, we're, we're going to be looking at the Sabbath. Uh, I'm sure any of you that have been in um, Christian circles for any period of time can recollect, uh, particularly years ago, um, you know, a decade, two decades ago, there was always a lot of rules uh, associated with the Sabbath, what you can and can't do. Um, you know, you always show up to church with your Sunday best. You guys know me, I show up with my Sunday best when I'm up here and when I'm down there, not so much. <laughs> so um, other rules like uh, what you can do as far as work, um, if, whether or not you can go shopping on Sundays. There was a lot of that uh, um, in church, um, you know, particularly a decade or two ago. Uh, I know for myself, um, when, when I was a young believer, I had, and I'm not entirely sure where I came up with these ideas, but uh, I had rules for myself. As you know, I like mechanics and working on vehicles and anything mechanical. So for myself, it was okay if I worked on other people's vehicles, but I wasn't allowed to work on my own. So I'm not sure where exactly I got that idea, but that was something that I thought was important. Oh, you didn't get paid for working on your own. <laughs> well, back, back then, actually, it was all, I didn't get paid for anything. It was just like, oh, you got a problem? Sure, I'll fix it. Things have changed, as you know. Um, so, um, in order to determine how the Sabbath <clears throat> applies to us now, uh, the first thing I did was go to my concordance, look up every verse I could find uh, on Sabbath, and work through all those verses. I listened to a few sermons um, uh, by Chuck Swindoll. I listened to one, uh, Dan Jansen. Um, we had some discussions, myself and Jeff, uh, last night, Stuart and, and the other elders we talked a little bit last week. Um, and so there's been, uh, I got together with Andrew, so there's been a lot of um, input on this. So I gotta give credit where it's due. Uh, this certainly isn't all my work, um, but uh, the awesome part is that we all have uh, Bibles and, and part of meeting together is to spur each other on and, and encourage each other and that goes for us up here too. Um, <clears throat> so like I said, let's turn to Exodus 20, uh, 8 to 11. And stand with me as we read that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You 
or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or the sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, <clears throat> and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Please be seated. So, um, to figure out how this applies to us, I figured we would first establish why God gave the Israelites the Sabbath law, the purposes behind uh, the Sabbath law for the Israelites. So, if we go to uh, Exodus 16:21. Oh, yeah, my apologies. We'll go back to Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. So the first word we see is remember. So I asked myself, okay, what is that remember there for? Uh, I thought it's, it's there for two possible reasons. Uh, clearly the simplest reason would be um, from now on, remember to keep the Sabbath. Um, the, the issue with this, I'm not saying it's not that for certain, but one of the issues with this is the other nine commandments don't all start with remember. So then I wonder, okay, is there something pre-law that we're given in Scripture that uh, um, God was telling the Israelites to remember? If you turn with me, actually, I'll just put it up here. Exodus 16, 21 to 31. I'll just read it for us. Uh, this is talking about the manna, a way that God had provided for the Israelites in the desert um, after their deliverance out of uh, Egypt. So they gathered it in, uh, they gathered it morning by morning, every man as, as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, uh, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observant, observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. They put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today will you, you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel named it manna, and it was like coriander seed white and its taste was like wafers of honey so um, we see that there's some Israelites that didn't trust God and they they didn't follow his commandments and rather than gathering enough on uh, um, Friday Friday they would go and look for it on the morning of the Sabbath so um, as if the miracle of, of the manna itself wasn't enough um, God also made provisions for the Israelites so that they could have a day of rest and wouldn't have to go out and gather uh, food on the Sabbath. 
He also miraculously kept the manna from melting in the sun between the period that the Israelites picked it up uh, on Friday to when they ate it uh, any time during the day on, on uh, Saturday. That could obviously be even as late as Saturday evening. And all the other days, the, the manna would disappear. Um, and, and on top of that, we see that uh, um, in, in another verse regarding this, um, that there was uh, um, worms that would come and the, and the uh, manna would go bad. So God also kept the manna from rotting um, on, uh, on the Sabbath day so that the Israelites wouldn't have to go and work. These were ways that God had provided for them so that they didn't have to go to work. Their only requirement was to follow and to trust him, follow what uh, Moses had told them. So the Israelites were to trust God for his provisionary care Although there was no manna to be gathered on Sunday, um, God would still provide food for them to eat. So that's our first reason that we find in the text that the Israelite nation was to obey the Sabbath law. So let's look now for the second reason. Exodus 23.12 Six days you are to do your work. But on the seventh day you shall cease from labor, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. So the Sabbath was a gift from God. Um, no other nation at that time had uh, a day of rest. Um, the Israelites had, God had given the Israelites, as we talked about on the manna, provision that they could take a, a day of rest. They just simply had to trust him. Um, and uh, it's clear from this that uh, all living and working beings were designed and created by God to need rest. Uh, that's how God's designed it. Um, you can see that he's included uh, in the instructions, your slave, uh, strangers, that a sojourner is uh, somebody that is in your home for a period of time, you know, a guest that you have over. Um, so anybody uh, any living being in the Israelite community was required to take Sabbath rest. What that tells us is that um, God has designed and created uh, any living being that works to require, need, needs a time of recuperation and a time of rest. So another purpose of the Sabbath was for rest and refreshment. So now I'm going to go back to Exodus chapter 20 to look at another uh, purpose to find uh, that God had for the Israelites um, to observe the Sabbath law. Uh, Exodus 20, 11, this is the last verse that we read together. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So uh, God himself even uh, rested. God did some creating in six days, and then on the seventh day he stopped and he took a, a, a rest. It was, uh, God made it a priority. Uh, he could have gone on and created other universes. He could have created more. Uh, he could have gone on and instructed Adam. Um, there's many things that he could have done, but he decided to stop and take a day of rest. Um, obviously there's... Uh, some subjects here that, uh, as far as this is concerned, we're not going to delve into as far as did God actually require, need rest, 
is he all powerful, that sort of thing. We're not going to deal with that today. Um, but uh, for the purpose of this, uh, God gave us an example that we are to follow. Um, and he rested, uh, he, he made resting a prior priority. So, um, reason the Israelite, another, the third reason the Israelite nation were to obey the Sabbath law was to follow God's example. Um, the next purpose for following the Sabbath law will go to Deuteronomy 5, 13 to 15. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or donkey or any of the cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant, female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out there of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Key word there, if I had a laser pointer, I would use it now, is remember. Um, you, so for the Israelites, another purpose uh, to adhere to the Sabbath was it was supposed to be a day of remembrance, a remembrance of, of what God has done for them. Uh, as far, and specifically in this verse, we see what he's done. Uh, he delivered them as slaves um, out of the land of Egypt and gave them their freedom. So, number four, remind, reminder of what God did for the Israelites in Egypt. Next uh, purpose, Leviticus 23, verse 3. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. And I got to give credit to Jeff here because he figured out how to underline stuff and, and uh, so that's why we have sacred assembly there. There's a few other verses, but uh, it certainly helps because you can see where we're going with this. There was, uh, the, the next purpose was appointed gathering or uh, the Israelites were to focus their time and effort on the Sabbath worshiping together. Um, so, a quick note on that. Uh, I know that a number of you in the congregation have the NASB. Uh, the the um, passage I put up was actually out of the NIV. And the word that you likely have instead of uh, what we had underlined there is convocation um, instead of sacred assembly. So I looked that up on the dictionary, in the dictionary just to determine, give us a little more insight as to what that means. Um, a large formal assembly of people or the action of calling people together for a large formal assembly. So the Israelites were to focus their time and effort on worshiping together on the Sabbath. On to our next and last passage for this portion. Um, Exodus 31, 13 to 16. But as for you, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign, again Jeff's handiwork here, between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath. 
for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. So the point that I'm trying to draw out from this passage is the, the fact that it was a sign uh, of the covenant. Uh, the sign of the covenant between God and the Israelite nation, the sons of Israel. So I went a little further on this. Um, by the Israelites' observance of the Sabbath law, they were saying, we're associated with God. Uh, we have a covenant with God, much like we have a ring on our finger, much like um, when we're baptized as new believers, what we're saying in our baptism is, this is a sign that I am associated with Christ. So for the Israelites, this was a sign that they're associated with God. So in Numbers, we get a little bit more insight into this. Numbers 15, 32 to 36. Now, while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been declared or decided what should be done to him. The Lord said to Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord had commanded. So I recall a number of times going over this passage, and in, in, I know a lot of the men on the houseboat two years ago had to read through the Bible you know, in a year. It certainly took me a little longer than a year, but nonetheless, I recall going through this passage and thinking, wow, this is, this is really wrathful. This is, seems kind of harsh. Uh, and now doing do, one of the great things about us having to do the study for, for you guys is that we can deal with passages like this and figure out exactly why uh, this was done. Basically, what the man that was gathering wood, the Israelite that was gathering wood on the Sabbath day was saying was, I don't want to be associated with God. Uh, this covenant that's between the other Israelites and God, I don't want a part of it. Uh, and so he broke uh, the sign. Basically, he took off his wedding ring. Uh, he denied his baptism and he said, I'm not going to do this. And therefore, the Israelites, the rest of the community, stoned him. Um, he was indicating that he didn't want a relationship with God. So now you're probably wondering, okay, we've got these six points uh, of what the Israel, why the Israelite nation uh, had to follow the Sabbath. Um, and, you know, uh, you might be wondering, okay, that's great because the Sabbath is actually on Saturday and obviously we weren't. Um, saved out of uh, Egyptian slavery. Um, we don't have the Old Testament covenant with God like the Israelites did. So the sign doesn't, uh, doesn't apply to us. Those are phenomenal questions. And as you know, in this church um, and our sister church in Calgary, um, we focus on principles rather than uh, focusing on yes and no black and white rules. Um, what was the purpose behind the principles and how can we apply those to our lives? So although we're not required to observe the Sabbath law, there are certainly some principles that we would benefit from in applying uh, to how we live. 
Um, actually, let me backtrack for a minute, uh, just in case it's not completely clear that we as believers are not required to observe the Sabbath um, as New Testament um, believers after Christ's sacrifice. So just a few points on that. Um, it was uniquely given to a Jewish nation, uh, the, the Sabbath law. So unless you're Jewish and you observe all the parts of the Old Testament law, uh, there's no need for it. Uh, you're just obeying one little portion. It doesn't make sense. Um, observance of the Sabbath law is actually covenant-based and not morally based, uh, like the other commandments. The other commandments, um, instinctively, intrinsically, we know it's wrong to murder. We know that it's wrong to lie. We know that it's not wrong to steal. Keeping the Sabbath is not something instinctively, intrinsically, uh, that we understand, that we know, that's written on our hearts. Um, so, like I said, uh, it's covenant-based, not morally-based. And not once in the New Covenant, under Christ, does it state that we're to observe the Sabbath. In fact, uh, Paul states the opposite. So if, you're, if you'll turn quickly with me to Colossians 2... Verses 16 to 17, there's some insight there that Paul gives to the Colossians um, that helps us understand this a little further. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come but the substance belongs to Christ. We have two similar passages. Uh, uh, let, just let me backtrack for a sec. The point there is that um, there's no longer uh, an adherence to the um, Old Testament law required um, because Christ has, has fulfilled that uh, for us. And part of that was the Sabbath day. And so what Paul is saying to the Colossians is this is no, no longer required. Um, in Galatians, uh, Chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, we see the same principle. Um, new believers were actually going back to the law. They had professed Christ. Uh, Christ um, believed that what he had done was sufficient. Um, but they started adding special days and ceremonies. They were essentially adding to the gospel. Um, and there's also a passage, a similar passage in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, uh, and in that case, it's circumcision that they're trying to add to the gospel. Now, if any of you want these verses for your notes or whatever, you can certainly pester me about them after in the dialogue or after that if you like to. Um, so how does it apply to us? We know how it doesn't apply to us. So here are three principles from the Sabbath that we would benefit from and be wise to apply to our lives. There it is. I actually had that verse. So, if we, if believers choose to obey the Sabbath principle, God can be trusted to take care of our provisionary needs. And we have a mix-up in the slides and the notes, which is all right. I'll just jump ahead <laughs> to where the slides are. I'm not that tech-savvy, so... Order our lives after God's pattern. Just bear with me here a sec as I find it in our notes. There it is. 
Genesis 2, 1 to 3. There we go. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So, we're supposed to exemplify, or we would be wise to exemplify this pattern that God had set out. Um, and in creation, uh, he designed and created us to need rest. Um, I know that for myself, when I work six days a week, even seven days a week, I cannot wait to have a day of rest and relaxation, spend time with the family, doing whatever it is that we, we do to relax. Um, so in my own life, I can see that this is absolutely evident. It's just not good to work uh, long periods of time without rest. Um, so the first point that uh, we as believers, um, the first principle is to strive to order our lives after God's pattern. Right there. Second point, uh, get, we get this from Luke chapter 12, 27 to 31. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You men of little faith, do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Seek after his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Uh, this goes back to the principle that we saw from the manna. We are to trust in God's provisionary care. God provided the manna in a miraculous, miraculous way so that, um, oops, again, my apologies. Order mixed up here. There we go. Um, we are to trust that God will provide for us rather than going out on Sundays and working um, and saying, I need to get ahead, uh, I need to make ends meet, um, I need this time because it's another opportunity where I can make money, we say, no, I'm going to trust God that he will provide for us, much like he did uh, for the Israelites in the Old Testament, and just like he says here in Luke chapter 12, um, we are to trust in his provision and take a day of rest. <clears throat> so, uh, as I was working through this, I recalled a uh, situation in my, just after high school, I worked on a farm, um, for a number of years, and my boss was actually a believer, so it was kind of nice to work uh, as a new new believer to work for somebody that was also a believer and rub shoulders with them. We never worked on Sundays, uh, regardless of the season. Um, so any of you that have a little bit of knowledge on farming or any farming background, uh, you understand that um, a farmer works hard all year for a big payoff at the end. Instead of getting his paycheck every month, he gets he works all year and gets a paycheck when he brings his crop to, uh, to market. So all of his efforts basically come down to one little season at harvest in the fall. And if things don't go well, 
um, because of weather or because of mechanical problems or what have you, sickness, um, he could end up having worked all year doing the seeding and the uh, spraying for fertilizer and, and uh, um, weeds and everything, worked all year long to miss out on that payout. So it's, it's crucial time. Um, so you can imagine during that season, the desire to get out even on Sundays when the weather is good um, and things are going well and combine and, and get the harvest off. Um, so my boss at the time decided, you know what, I'm a believer. Uh, as such, I'm going to trust in God's provisionary care and I'm going to, uh, even when the weather is good and even though it makes no logical sense per se, um, I'm going to spend less time in the field. I'm not going to um, go in and combine on Sundays and I'm just going to believe that God will fill the gaps. Um, and so uh, I asked him about this and he said, and I recall from when I worked there, there was never a time where we couldn't get the harvest off in time, even though we worked, we didn't work Sundays and all our neighbors were working Sundays. In fact, there were some years we actually went and helped some of the other neighbors who ironically had worked Sundays um, and finished up their harvest. Um, so my boss was showing that he trusted God for his provisionary care. He trusted that God would provide. Ultimately, he understood where, uh, where his provisions came from and he, he demonstrated that trust in this situation by shutting down his combine and resting once a week. So for us, um, if we feel that we have to work on Sundays because we think it will get us further ahead financially or we think that we have to to make ends meet, uh, I would suggest that we're not putting our trust where it should be. We're not trusting God to provide for us. Um, so on to the next point for the next principle for us to glean from the Sabbath. Uh, if we look at Hebrews chapter 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what do we get from this? As Christians, we are to prioritize a regular worship time with other believers for mutual encouragement. Make sure the weekly time of worship with other believers is a priority. Part of this is, is actually kind of mutual, uh, mutually benefiting to us. Uh, I know, Blake, you play volleyball and hockey. Stuart, you play baseball. Um, I suspect that when there's a team member that's missing from your team, when you guys go to play a game, that it, it's detrimental to how the game actually plays out. Chances are uh, greater that you're going to lose that game because you're missing a team member. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so the same, the same goes for us here. If we're missing a team member, that's like <laughs> There you go. If, if, we're, if we're missing a team member in our congregation, that's any one of us, um, we all suffer 
Because there's always something, uh, whether it be in the fellowship, uh, even in the practical nature of how things go, um, you know, setting things up, uh, <coughs> the sound, make sure all the blinds are open, making sure everything, the heat's turned on for one, um, making sure there's coffee. If, if somebody doesn't show up, part of our team, we all suffer for it. And those are just the practical things. There's, there's greater things, and, and Hebrews speaks of this specifically, encouraging one, of the, one another um, to stimulate or pro- provoke one another into action, specifically in the spiritual realm. Um, there are benefits that we each bring to the table in the dialogue, and I think that's part of the, the benefit of having the dialogue um, like we do here at Genesis House, is that we can bring things to the table, ideas uh, or personal situations that help the other individuals in the congregation understand, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I'm gonna, that's something I'm going to take home and I'm going to apply it to my life. That principle is something that uh, I would benefit from. <clears throat> so uh, there's Sundays where I don't feel like coming to church and I'd rather do a project at home or relax uh, with my kids at home. You know, build a nice fire, throw a show on TV, have some food, you know, just stay home and relax, especially when the weather's not that great. But I've noticed that every time that I come and I choose to go against those desires, uh, I'm more refreshed um, and uh, encouraged than I would have been if I stayed home. There's always something that I glean uh, from the sermon or from the dialogue or the fellowship downstairs. Um, Stuart put it uh, last week, um, had a, a, put it in an interesting way um, for uh, as far as excuses and that sort of thing are concerned. You know, we all have uh, reasons why we don't want to come. Um, he said, we can all come up with excuses uh, not to go to church, but there's no reason why your excuse is any better than anybody else's excuse who are at church. So... I thought that was pretty good. Um, what's, what's my priority on Sundays? Is it work? Uh, is it sports? Is it projects around the house? Is it relaxing um, in, in a selfish way? Um, so those are the three principles that we have from the Sabbath. Uh, as New Testament believers, we have rest, trust in God's provision, and fellowship with one another. But that's cool. Um, there is also one other point that I borrowed from Andrew <clears throat> that he brought up last time uh, that we sat down and discussed this. Um, it keeps Sundays open for uh, acts of mercy. So if we look, uh, there's a few examples in the New Testament. Um, Christ talks about if your ox falls into the ditch, will you not drag it out, even if it's on a Sabbath? Um, we have Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Um, the, the crippled man, pick up your mat and walk. Um, uh, the disciples pick the grain on the Sabbath. Those are all acts of mercy. So if we're too focused on what we want to do, uh, prioritizing our lives on, the sa- on, on Sunday for, for our in, in, uh, instance, um, we're going to potentially miss out on um, opportunities for acts of mercy. So just to reiterate, as believers, 
We are not bound to Sabbath law. However, we would be wise to set aside Sundays for rest, community worship, and as a demonstration of trust in God's provisionary care. So I'll read that again. As believers, for those of you that are jotting down notes, as believers, we are not bound to Sabbath law. However, we would, we would be wise to set aside Sundays for rest, community worship, and as a demonstration of trust in God's provisionary care. So I'm excited to hear what insights you might have or pushback or um, thoughts uh, that you might have in the dialogue.